Rich and Steve on Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. And a happy Saturday to all of you out there listening today. This is Arizona Sports Saturday. It's your weekend stop for live and local sports talk. Mitch and Steve is who we are. I'm Mitch. He's Steve. Trevor Henry behind the glass today. A full edition of Arizona Sports Saturday, the first in 2023, Steve. Yeah. I haven't seen you in a full year. Oh, here we go. You know how many people have said that to me in the newsroom and I just roll my eyes? Like, I haven't seen you in a year. I roll my head. And they say it like with a little smirk, like they're so smart. And I'm start like chuckling in the background. Like, get out of here, <laughs> Dad. Yeah, it gets a little old by noon. I know. <laughs> and also, can we agree, you got to stop saying Happy New Year. Like, at some point, you just got to stop, right? Like, we're on January 7th now. It is no longer applicable to say Happy New Year to people. Okay, my argument would be, given the nature of this is just one example. Given the nature of our show, the last time we were on air was last year. Two weeks ago. I think. The first time we're speaking again is in the new year. I is it appropriate it. for the two of us to say right now in front of these microphones, Happy New Year? No, because not, I've seen you since the new year. Okay. So, no. Well, you and I have seen each other, but yeah. I haven't seen Trevor in, you know, like a whole week. Fine. Say Happy New Year to Trevor. Yeah, Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Trevor. <laughs> Whatever. I'm doing this in protest. <sighs> Should we get to the news? I, yes, we can get to the news since All we're right. tired of talking about New Year. You want to do? Go yeah, ahead. Read yeah, the I'll, news. Re- I'll read the news. So this just came down from Field Yates. Is he still at ESPN? He's yeah. still okay. at ESPN. NFL Insider. I feel like uh, he's a former front office guy, so he's got a lot of details on like contracts and different things like that. And certainly had a nugget today about the Arizona Cardinals. So this just came down. Uh, he tweets: Cardinals center Rodney Hudson agreed to reduce his base salary from eight point two five million. Just over $2 million in 2023. Now, that's next season. That's yes. not this season, obviously. They're, they're basically lowering his salary by about $6 million next season. And then he writes this. Hudson previously contemplated retirement, and agreeing to do this could be a signal that he's set to retire this offseason. Here's the interesting uh, end way he ended it. If so, hell of a run. An awesome, dependable, consistent player. And over the course of his career, I would totally agree with that. Yes, over the course of his career, totally dependable, one of the better centers in the league. It's just, if you said that to any Cardinals fan right now, I don't think dependable would be the word they would use. Specifically not this season. Not to Cardinals fans, no. I think that is a guaranteed, wow, that's just kind of a slap in the face to all of us who expected to get this high-level center who was a big part of the success of Kyler Murray and the entire offense last year, et cetera, et cetera. I'll be honest, there's kind of a slap in the face to read it. Just the one sentence. Just the one sentence. Because the Cardinals have had enough problems as it is. We all kind of anticipated this coming. But then just to be reminded of how good of a person he was before he actually came here, you know, like an Emmett Smith, it's like... Oh, man, what a great career for Emmett Smith. Always will be remembered for how he played on the team he played on before he came to Arizona. That's kind of how it felt. So thinking back on Rodney Hudson, this is his second season with the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Uh, he played for them in his age 32 and age 33 seasons. He's only played four games this year. He played 12 games last year. So that's 16 games out of, I'm guessing, about 32, 33 games if you include playoffs. He's played half the games. He's only been available for half 
the game. So he's basically been available for one season out then, of two. Then there's the whole this offseason he was contemplating retirement. Totally up to him, by the way. Not taking that the away from him. The whole unexcused not, absence thing was very unsettling, though. Yeah, I, I don't hold it against him. If you want to retire, retire. But it felt like he had one foot in, one foot out yeah. this whole season. And he's only played four games because of that and because of his body breaking down. So what does this mean? This means that the Cardinals are essentially saving $6 million next season. I'm guessing that that's a huge uh, cap ramification for next year. They're going to pay him now instead of having to pay him next year. He will likely retire. I think I agree with Field Yates on that. Yes. Um, He just wants his money on the way out. They were going to have to pay him either way. You either pay him now the way they're doing it, or you pay him next season to go away by cutting him. So you might as well do it this way and save $6 million in cap Next season, they're doing the exact same thing with Hudson that they're doing with JJ Watt. And earlier in the week, it was also reported that JJ Watt had a contract restructure. But most of that is just to avoid a lot of dead money for next year. I've got overthecap.com up right now looking at next year, specifically post June 1st cuts. Watt's retiring, but you still have to, you know, take on the money that's still left of his deal. Post-June 1st, it would be a $2.4 million dead hit on the cap. If you did that pre-June 1st, it's $7.2 million. So it's clearly set up to benefit the Cardinals, but also, thank you, J.J. Watt. Now, enjoy your retirement. Yeah. Same thing for Rodney Hudson. He'd be a dead cap hit of $1.76 mil post-June 1st. Otherwise, he's a $5.28 pre-June 1st. What the Cardinals are doing are just saving themselves the dead money hit. They're turning what essentially could have been like close to twelve million into about four. So now here's the next question: What are the Cardinals saving money for? Other than just these things happen all the time, right? For you know, you need to sign new players. If yes. Rodney Hudson's retiring, if JJ Watt's retiring, you have big free agent decisions to make all along the offensive and defensive line, as well as other positions. Mm-hmm. You've got some aging veterans who might not want to be a part of a rebuild. Those guys might go away. So they've got a lot to spend on. You need to replace possibly four of your five starting offensive linemen. Possibly. Uh, J.J. Watt and Zach Allen could both conceivably be gone next season. That's two big defensive line spots. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got a lot of stuff to be saving for. Here's the other thing. And this is kind of in the wind at this point. If you're going to cut ties with your coach, your head coach, Before the five-year extension even kicks in, if you're going to eat all that money, saving a little bit on a player here and there could help in that way. It's not going to make up the difference. Don't get me wrong. No. But they got a lot of things that they're going to have to pay for over the next calendar year. So Cliff's salary and the same thing with Kime's salary, they're not going to count against this cap. This set-aside amount of money that is specifically for the players on the team. That's just ownership money for Coach and GM. Michael Bidwell's... If this is about to go through, Michael Bidwell is about to eat a lot of money. Yeah. Five years of about, I think Gambo had reported yesterday, it's about seven and a half guaranteed each year, fully guaranteed. So to that's Cliff? About, yeah. So Ooh. it's closer to 40 just yeah. for Cliff to tell him to go away. Right. You got Steve Kimes' extension that was just done. And then we learned on Thursday. The defensive coordinator, Vance Joseph, also got an extension this offseason. Which is interesting. First of all, you never hear coordinator contracts being reported on. No. Almost never. No. So the fact that he got an extension, I think he deserved it more than Cliff and Kime did. Sure. 
Um, so I'm not shocked at all that Vance Joseph got an extension. I'm a little surprised that it wasn't made move, public. If you're about to move on from this regime, it's just it might be another salary you have to eat. You so might. Gonna but they're not going to fire Vance, are they? Look, if you fire the head coach, the head coach has to make the decision on the DC. I think you'd have a pretty tough time if you're Michael Bidwell trying to convince a, a new head coach to come in and say, "But here's the thing: we already picked out your defensive coordinator. Yeah, why? Because he's already under contract. If you're not okay with that, you got to go somewhere else. You're not going to make any progress if you try to run the business that way. That's a good point, and I, I think the only way I kind of had envisioned Vance Joseph leaving this off season was if he took another head coaching job. Because yeah. he might be up for some of them. Now, I don't know how many teams around the league and owners around the league are looking at the Cardinals this season and saying, oh, that 4-13 and 13 team, I let's get it. their D.C. Let's get him to be our new head coach. It's just not how things typically work out. I doubt it. Um, if you had to look at Rodney Hudson over the course of his time with the Cardinals, was it worth it? He's played in two seasons. He's played about half the games we talked about. In 2021, Pro Football Focus rated him with the highest. Uh, he was first in the NFL in pressure rate allowed, meaning he didn't allow a lot of stuff up the middle, which I thought he was one of the best centers in football last year, even though he played in 12 of the, I guess it would have been 16, 17 games, whatever it was. Uh, he's 11-5 and five in the regular season as a Cardinal, 11-6 and six if you include that terrible playoff game last year. Last year he was nine and three. This year he's two and two. I think they played well with Hudson on the field. I think he's a huge loss during well, the course of the season because all the other centers that they put in were just awful. Just Sean Harlow awful. didn't work out. Max Billy Garcia Price center hasn't wasn't been great. good. Billy Price no. Yeah, I would agree with you. Now remember too, what did they give up for Rodney Hudson? Because remember the Raiders were going to cut Rodney. It's like Hudson. a middle round pick. It wasn't anything. See, I thought it was like a second round pick. Uh, the Raiders are trading center Rodney Hudson and a seventh rounder to the Cardinals. In return, they get a 2021 third round pick. Which would have already been made. So who did they use that on? I don't remember. And who are they we going to immediately on. regret that because it was a third round pick? I, I, I mean, if you consider the Raiders regime at that time, that was John Gruden. And Mike Mayock. Mike Mayock, and they weren't doing anything successful over there. Well, but again, remember, I, I kind of, I felt like the Cardinals were getting a really good player, and it felt like a good deal, they were. right? But and at it the was same good time, for one season. But at the same time, you gave up a third round pick for a guy the Raiders were going to cut. Remember, I think it was even Adam Schefter had reported the Raiders were cutting Rodney Hudson. They were going to cut him. They were going to cut the uh, the tackle that eventually got traded to Seattle. The names escapes me at the moment. Oh, they were cutting a bunch of dudes. Exactly. At that time. They were just ready to tear it all up. And so you traded a third-round pick for a guy that a lot of people thought was going to be available in free agency, or at least, you know, like you could put in a claim for the guy. Like, they ended up giving up a third-round pick for that guy. Was it worth it? You got one pretty good 2021 season where you made the playoffs with Rodney Hudson. He was 11-5 and in the regular season, but then he barely played this year and had one foot in, one foot out the door. And now he's out the door, basically. I think it's fair to assume that he's out the door, Right. Oh, I think he's retiring. I, I don't. I don't think the Cardinals would do this move unless he was on his way out. And here's two other things. If he I was think, healthy, you probably just keep him. Yeah. Here's two other things I think we should keep an eye on heading into the off season outside of what we've already discussed. DeAndre Hopkins is he going to be on this team? How are they going to handle him for next year? Are they going to have to move on from him in order to inevitably pay Hollywood Brown for what he's going to be do once his rookie contract's done? That's number one. Number two, same position. Is A.J. Green going to retire? 
Is yeah. AJ Green going to want to come back? He talked about that in the locker room. I think it was yesterday. Um, he hasn't made that decision yet, or at least that's what he says. Uh, I'm not as concerned about AJ Green. If he fades to black, I, I don't think that's a huge. It's not a loss. concern, but if you pair it with what could potentially happen with DeAndre Hopkins. You might be down to a wide receiver core next year that is Marquise Hollywood-Brown, Rondale Moore, who can't get through a full season to save his life. And then the next best option is Greg Dortch. I'm not going to lie to you. I love Greg Dortch. I'm not going to lie to you. Greg Dortch deserves that opportunity. Yeah. Greg Dortch has been very, very good when he's played. He's got several games this season where he's had eight or more catches. He has some of the best separation in the entire league when you look at it statistically. I think Greg Dortch deserves that opportunity. People, but the problem is none of those guys play. are over what? Six foot? Right. They just also love to play the on paper game. Yeah. And on paper, Greg Dortch doesn't grab headlines like no. DeAndre Hopkins no, I, does. I, I totally get it. I totally get it. I'd much rather have Hopkins than Dortch. But like you said, Rondell Moore, shorter speed guy who really hasn't caught on in the NFL yet. Greg Dortch, not the biggest name and not the biggest player. And then Hollywood Brown, who I think is fantastic, but again, not an oversized player. You have no receivers to throw to in the end zone. We're forgetting Antoine Wesley, who's probably the biggest guy they'll have left in that end. But It's like 6'5", I think. It, it, look, you can't just have one dude that towers over everybody. It doesn't get you anywhere. Coming up next, speaking of losing teams, the Phoenix Suns. They lost again. But now we're at the halfway point. Are things getting better or worse? That's next on Arizona Sports Saturday. And Steve on Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. The Suns with possession, but the closing seconds ticking away, and the, now a steal. Steal by Miami, and that will do it. They get it up to Lowry, over to Strews, and this one is all over. And the Suns lose to Miami for the second time this year. Tonight it is 104 to 96. God, it's ugly. It's so ugly right now for the Suns. It's disgusting. The Hall of Famer Al McCoy on that call. Now five losses in a row. That's eight of nine. Eight of nine the Suns have lost. They have seemingly no players left. Chris Paul. Literally. Campaign both leaving the game with injuries. Devin Booker's out. Cam Johnson's been out for a while. Jay Crowder, we know, is not a part of this basketball team currently. No, he is. He's getting paid $10 million this year to sit on his couch. Oh, good. I don't consider that part of the team. I'm glad he's wasting everybody's time, including his, by the way. That was an important point brought up yesterday. I can't remember who said it, but Jay Crowder failed in his attempt as well. Given that he's still home, sitting on his couch, putting together workout videos at the Y. Oh, you mean the attempt to get on Jay, another team? Jay Crowder failed in this, too. Yeah, that's fair. The Suns failed in trying to get rid of him and get what they wanted for him. But Jay Crowder failed, too, because we're at the halfway point in the season and he's still on his ass. Well, both sides are suffering because of it. The Suns need well, depth. Do I care he would more have about, helped. Do I care more about the Suns or do I care more about Jay Crowder? I care more about the Suns. Exactly. I I somewhat care about Jay Crowder, but at this point, I mean, he doesn't want to be a part of the basketball team. He's too far gone, in my opinion. And what is that? I, I think we've talked about this before on the show. I mean, because seemingly this Jay Crowder narrative has been going on for months. October. Uh, what do other teams around the league, when they consider trading for Jay Crowder, what do they think of the fact that one of the league's Part of the reason he's here is because he had playoff experience. He's a tough defender. Uh, he's a really good team guy. He fits a 3 and D role that any team would want. What does it say about him that he doesn't want to be a part of a contending team? That's what the Suns were supposed to be. Now, they're, they've lost eight of the last nine. 
And so all of a sudden, they're not as contending. They are currently in the West, the ninth spot. They're not even in the playoff picture right now. They're in now. the play-in. They're 20-20. and 20. They're a 500 basketball team. Now, granted, the Western Conference is very tight. The Suns may be in ninth place, but they're six and a half out of first. That's not insurmountable. But And you're only a game and a half away from being fifth. But the the situation that they're in is not a pretty one, given who they're just barely ahead. Like, if I'd have told you halfway through the season that the Suns were going to be a game and a half up on the L.A. Lakers, where did you think they would be in the standings? Uh, Not good. Well, game and a half up on the Lakers? Yeah. I didn't think the Lakers would be that good. Okay, and they're what, not. What if, <laughs> they're I said, what if I said they're going to be a game up on the Timberwolves start of this season? Uh, what if I said they're going to well, be Well, the tied- Timberwolves, I, I, I admittedly, I thought the Timberwolves would be better. What if I said tied with the Trailblazers? Not great. What if I said a half game ahead of the Utah Jazz? Uh, really bad, because I thought they were going to be horrible. Now, what if I told you they're a game and a half behind the Sacramento Kings? Yeah, not good, man. Perspective is all out of whack. I know, right now. I know. It looks terrible, and we're still a long way from the season being over. It's not like this is the final standings or anything. And but, and in some regard, playoff seating in the NBA, uh, I'm not going to say it doesn't matter. But how many times recently have we seen a number one seed that's far and away the best team in the regular season, and then they do nothing in the playoffs? But if you don't address any of the problems now, how do you expect to get better for these final 42? That's the thing. So if you lose Chris Paul and campaign yesterday, campaign's already been out. Chris Paul's missed time as well. Your primary ball handler right now is Dwayne Washington Jr.? Probably. Who's the backup ball handler? Devin Booker's gone. Damian Lee? Ugh. McHale? Do you even trust McHale to run the ball? He can't even get, he can barely get to 15 points. This team is running on empty right now. I mean, they got. Half a mile of gas left in the tank, and it's a mile to the gas station. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not sure we're getting there. And it's good. you got to will this thing to the finish line the way they stand right now. This is a team that when, when all the pieces were pretty much together, aside from maybe Jay Crowder, I mean, you look back, it's toward the beginning of the season. There's a six-game winning streak here. Uh, and then all of a sudden, they just kind of fell off. There was there a was, home loss to the Rockets. There was all the good, and then December showed up. And then just fell apart. There's a six-game losing streak, uh, sorry, five-game losing streak, and then a three-game losing streak, and now we're on another five-game losing streak. They're doing the exact opposite of what happened last year. Remember last year, the eight, what was it, 18? Oh, yeah, they started one and three, and everybody's like, oh, my God, is everything okay? And then they won 18. It's the exact opposite. Now, I understand it because you're facing so much adversity. Aiton missed time. Paul missed time. Booker's missing time. Cam Johnson's missing a good chunk of the season. They had that same adversity last year. I don't know if it was exactly the same. Booker was out for an extended period. Aiton was out for an extended period. Chris Paul was out for an extended period. I guess. Did they all overlap, though? I feel like this overlaps a lot more. Okay. Fine. Than last year. But you know what the big difference is? This team now all of a sudden sucks when Devin Booker's not playing. Yeah. Sucks. Chris Paul is really starting to show age. Yeah. DeAndre Ayton clearly only cares about getting to 20 and 10. Mikkel Bridges has, I don't want to call it the yips, but they're putting a lot on his shoulders, and it's a little too heavy for him, in my opinion. They're asking him to do way more than he even expected to do. Granted, we knew about this coming into the season, how they wanted to take some off of Chris Paul and Devin Booker and put some more onus on Mikael Bridges. 
and Cam Johnson. Well, guess what? Cam Johnson's been out for two months. That's a key scorer that you're kind of missing. Devin Booker's now been out for two weeks. A massive key scorer that you're missing. Chris Paul is like a shell of himself right now. What's funny is we talked so much this offseason about the possibility of making a big-time trade for, like, a Kevin Durant. Well, look how good Kevin Durant's doing right now. I, well, yeah, and look at what the Suns are doing. I, I think that the if you want to have the, the discussion about the trade deadline, there's a chance this Suns team isn't even in a position to make additions. They're not. If they keep playing like this, they're not. And also, what is the value of the players you're giving up? Because DeAndre Ayton was talked about as being a key piece that would be moved, right? He's not eligible to be moved until, is it January 15th or February 15th? 15th of January. January. So we've got eight days. Ayton hasn't played up to the potential, and he's in, what, his fourth, fifth season now? Fifth season. Fifth season. I don't know what team around the league looks at him and is like, yeah, we're good with taking him on as the key piece in a trade. Well, guess what? You're not the only one thinking that way. Rob Mahoney from The Ringer on the Bill Simmons pod. This has been a really dispiriting season of watching DeAndre Aiden play basketball, to be totally honest with you. And that's mm. the, the problem with that is exactly what you outlined. Like everyone in the league knows it. These teams are playing against him. They're seeing him kind of float through some games, like not really assert himself, like have opportunities where he could be dominant, but just doesn't. Everyone in the league is clocking the same things with, about DeAndre Aiden that we are. And those teams are not going to give you tons of stuff in a trade for him. That's that's just really not going to happen. And yet Bridges is the guy you would probably want to hold on to. So I, I don't know how you navigate that. That's a great point. And if you look at Bridges right now, Bridges isn't, isn't exactly stepping up into that role that's the void that's filled with Devin Booker out uh, in terms of scoring specifically. Cam Johnson's injured, so that's not even really a player I think most teams would consider right now trading for in a package. You have no ball handlers to move on from. Because they're either injured or they're 39 years old or however old Chris Paul is, 38, 39, something mm-hmm. like that. You, you just don't have the pieces right now. You have your draft picks. You have your own draft picks. But if you have a 500 basketball team right now, are you really willing to move on from next year's draft pick? Probably less inclined now. Well, because we know James Jones really values those draft picks. Well, forget about the value of the draft pick, but like, just think about... <sighs> Because I, I think they would be usually a fan of moving on from that pick, but that pick is normally in a competitive team in the late 20s. Guess what? It's a lottery pick right now. Right now it is. And I think you're less inclined to move on from that pick, especially if you go into this draft. They may not love the draft like most teams do for acquiring talent, but if you're going into this offseason and Chris Paul has pretty much aged out of the league or close to it, no longer worth his contract, certainly. Uh, you're really looking at just, like, you feel confident in Booker and Bridges and Johnson, and that's maybe it. You're going to need some players. And the draft may be the only place left to go get some of them. Right now, this team is not in position to make additions at the trade deadline. What is what is the position of this team? What position are they in? Treading water? Are they, are they just going to keep free-falling because James Jones doesn't want to panic and he wants to make the right move? It's, I, it's starting to look more like stubbornness than savvy. I don't know that there's any move right now, any trade he could make that would salvage what's happening right now. I think there's one, but we can talk about it later. Okay. You got me hooked on that for sure. I do think that this is more likely 10-day contract season. And I No, I think it is there. Because that, I mean, it worked out with a couple of guys, right? Well, here's the thing, just to close this out. You have a game on Sunday. Chris Paul's not ready to go? Probably not. Campaign? Probably not. No Booker, no Cam Johnson. It's going to be a weird game tomorrow. Who the hell is going to play basketball for this team? You've got to no sign idea. at least somebody to a 10-day. 
Coming up next, the uh, baseball team here in town made an interesting addition. Have they made more positive additions than they have negative subtractions? We'll do the math next on Arizona Sports Saturday. Mitch Ferreldis, Steve Zinsmeister, Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Just before we came back, Steve was like, is this Star Wars? And then I, too, realized, yeah, this is Star Wars. What, what's going on here, Trev? What's going on? I thought I switched up on you guys and do some video games again. <laughs> Watching the multiple suns rise on the horizon. Yeah, the Empire has struck back against the Valley for the success that they had in sports last year. And the evil Empire said, you can't have that. You can't have success. You can't have nice things. No. Well, tell that to the Diamondbacks, actually. Harold Reynolds on MLB Network yesterday. You know what I like about that, too, is they didn't wave the red flag. I mean, we all know San Diego and the Dodgers are continually building out there. And they didn't say, oh, well. No, they're still making a challenge at these guys, and that's why they shook the roster up. I love that. Okay, two things. One, he meant to say the white flag, not the red flag. (laughs) Number two. That's how what he surrenders. He, what he's referring to was another MLB.com writer, Mark Feinsand, his list of the top four most under-the-radar off-seasons. He had the Diamondbacks number three, okay. if you consider what they've done. Most recently, Evan Longoria became official yesterday. One-year deal, right-handed hitting third baseman with some pop. I think it's like $4 million. He's going to rotate with Josh Rojas at third, it sounds like. Maybe some DH, however you want to put it. The trade, trading away Varsho. To get Lourdes Goriel, another right-handed hitting bat, outfield depth, DH. And the real prize from that trade, catcher Gabriel Moreno, a top prospect across Major League Baseball. And then also reassuring the pitching staff, Miguel Castro in the bullpen. You've got Zach Davies reportedly back on a one-year deal. The Diamondbacks, to Harold Reynolds' point, they aren't surrendering to the NL West crowned individuals. They aren't saying... Oh, the Padres uh, are never going to get past Juan Soto and Fernando Tatis and Xander Bogarts. We're never going to get past that. We're never going to get past the Dodgers. They have Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts. We're never going to get past. No, you know what they did? They went out and they got even better than they were. Yeah, we did some off-season grades on the Ain't No Fang podcast. You can check it out at ArizonaSports.com this past week talking about the off-season is not over. Things could still I happen. Hope it's not over, but it, but it just kind of feels like the Diamondbacks have uh, have some finality to their roster. I still think there's work to be done in the They're bullpen. Close. Certainly, uh, maybe another starter or whatever. But anyway. With where they're at, it's funny because the Diamondbacks, while they're not a contending team and they're maybe not even a playoff team, they came into the offseason with very little holes to fill. They do not have a lot of spots on their roster where it's like, we don't have a guy to play X position. True. Uh, you could have made the argument that they could have upgraded at shortstop, um, which is interesting because then we found out they might have been in play for Dansby Swanson. And they will upgrade at shortstop. Eventually. Inter- internally, but continue. Yeah, so you could have argued they could upgrade over Nick Ahmed and Geraldo Perdomo at short, although I think they're probably going to roll with those two guys just for the season until Jordan Lawler shows up. Uh, you could have made the argument that they could upgrade at third base. I think they did do that with Evan Longoria being a platoon, a platoon player there with left-handed hitting Rojas. You could have argued that they needed a better catcher, and I think that they went and found a 1A catcher in Gabriel Moreno. You could have said they needed to add younger bullpen pieces. They did that. You, But none of those were 
holes except for the bullpen. The bullpen's just a the bullpen chasm. is a uh, it's black, a gaping it's a hole. black hole. Yeah, it's a, it's a canyon, <laughs> uh, and that hasn't necessarily changed. But they didn't come into the the off season needing to go and hire a bunch of starters. But I did think they get some comparable, uh, some good role players. Evan Longoria is going to be a platoon player. You mentioned Kev, uh, Kyle Lewis in the outfield is going to be a right handed hitting. Uh, outfielder with some potential. He won the Rookie of the Year just two years ago. Um, you also add other pieces that I think are going to be fine in the bullpen that could be could be something down the road. Uh, they bring back Zach Davies, which isn't a sexy hire, but it fills your fourth rotation spot in whatever order you want to put those top four in, and then it leaves one spot open for some rookies to be tested out. I think it's an okay offseason. I gave it a C-plus at ArizonaSports.com. Um, the reason I did that is because anytime you trade your best player from the season before, I have a hard time giving you a B or an A. Dalton Varsha was statistically and defensively and offensively your best player last season, most versatile. Uh, it sucks to lose that guy, but you got really good pieces for it. So they put up a full screen graphic that had a side by side, a two column thing. You and I discussed it before the show. Miguel Castro, Kyle Lewis, Zach Davies, Evan Longoria, Gabriel Moreno, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. And then we should also give a little love to Scott McGuff, yeah. who the Diamondbacks brought in. He was pitching in Japan. He's from the U.S., though. He he can throw really hard. That's his, that's his shtick. That's his mantra. He's going to try and help set up Mark Melanson in the later innings. Consider what they have not brought back or what they have lost this offseason. Caleb Smith, Ian Kennedy, J.B. Wendelkin, Sergio Alcantara, Stone Garrett, Cooper Hummel, Jordan Luplo, and Dalton Varshow. Now, I beg anyone other than you and I and Trevor, outside of Dalton Varshow, to tell me one thing about any of those other seven names on that right column. Yeah, most of them are probably not huge names for the average baseball fan or the average Diamondbacks fan, even. Uh, Some people were disappointed to see Stone Garrett go, but I'm here to tell you that I don't think he had a lot of upside. I think he... Uh, it was fun. It was a fun storyline while he was up. For I was sure. going to say, let's fast forward to now. Do am I still upset that Stone Garrett's gone? No, not really. Not really. I, I don't think he and Kyle now. Lewis are far off, and Kyle Lewis probably does a few things Stone Garrett can't. Right. So I, I'm not super upset about that one. Although Stone Garrett was healthy, I liked Cooper Hummel uh, as a prospect. Uh, he walks a ton. He gets on base a lot for Good a guy conversation, who too for a guy who doesn't hit as well. You and I talked to him at the Arizona Fall League uh, when we basically got him to admit that he was going to be the backup catcher. Yeah, uh, that the organization was kind of grooming him to play that position more often. And uh, he he said that he wanted the Diamondbacks in 2023 to be the 2022 Seattle Mariners, which is ironic because he got, got traded the to man. the Mariners. <laughs> <laughs> but that was that was really interesting when he got traded. I remember you texting me. You were like, "Remember when he said he wanted to be on the on the Mariners?" I was like, "Yeah, vaguely." And he's like, "Yeah, he's on the Mariners now." But all in all, I think this off season, yeah, I, I would probably agree. There's more pros to the additions than there are cons to the subtractions it still just stinks to lose your best player Dalton Varsha at such a young age where you still feel like he had time to grow into it too and he could have been much better than what he was last season I wonder if it hurts more because Cattell Marte has kind of fizz, fizzled a little bit uh, he was a top 10 MVP get, he was an all-star starter in 2019. in 2019 like what the hell happened to Cattell Marte was it just the injuries was it the Diamondbacks' incessant nature to put him in center field when he begged to be a second baseman? And then, here I am trying to defend the dude for finally getting to play the position he wants, 
And he sucked defensively last year at the position he wanted to play. That's almost inexcusable. But the other part of it is you can't stay healthy. He lost the ability to hit, basically, which is a big part of why he's on this team still. If he could get back to that, maybe I won't feel as bad about Dalton Varsho being gone. Did you guys talk about the Dansby Swanson thing much this week? Yeah, Gambo had reported. He does what Gambo does. He talks to people, reaches out, etc. Apparently the Diamondbacks were in the running to re-sign Dan- Well, not re-sign. To sign Dansby Swanson. He in the ballpark they, of 150 million. He said I think that I they got say. to 150 million, a little above it. I didn't get a year's total, but if it was 150 million and Dansby signed for seven 177, so how many how many years would the Diamondbacks have been offering for 150? Five to seven years, six years maybe. Um, but my initial reaction to that is, okay, you're admitting you were willing to spend that kind of money on a player. Mm-hmm. And it's an interesting player because it's the one that you drafted as an organization, number one overall, and then traded several months later before you'd even reached the major league level. And he's now won a championship in Atlanta. It's it's a very interesting story, right? But I almost don't believe it. And I know that that information is probably coming from a reliable source within the organization. There's no doubt about that. I'm not doubting the reporting. What I'm doubting is the intent of the Source Like what? I'm supposed to believe that you were just going to throw 150 at a guy that plays the same position at your next top prospect? Yeah, Jordan Lawler's coming up, hopefully by the end of the year. If he's on the Corbin Carroll track, he'll be here in September probably. He's in AA as of right now, I think, um, or was at the end of the season. So you're either going to get a bridge shortstop for the year, which could be Nick Ahmed and Geraldo Perdomo for the year. And then you get Lawler. Or they could have gone and gotten a guy like Swanson, placed him at shortstop. Lawler can play another position, or you can move Swanson. That's, I imagine, what would have happened. It's problems down the road. I almost, But there's a huge, huge difference to me between saying you're willing to spend $30 million or 25 to $30 million a year on a player and actually doing it. Well, because when they didn't get Swanson, they... Instead, went out and got, I don't know, Zach Davies and Evan Longoria for $4 million apiece. It's not exactly like they switched gears and went after another big-name shortstop. Well, now, there's, there's no not a lot of other— left. Right. There's not a lot else that they could have done that with. Unless they want to, you know, have their own physical for Carlos Correa. I was going to say, you could which, jump in on that which sweepstakes. Gambo threw out there that the Diamondbacks were not this reported mystery team in on the Carlos Correa sweepstakes. Well, as they of pr- yesterday, I they think, probably saw the medicals. At I think this point. Jim Bowden said the the Twins are back in on Carlos Correa, and if you're the Twins, you're like, "This is great. <laughs> we we're we're willing to do another one year contract if what you a, want to do it." What a what a messy off season for just one player. Have we ever experienced an off season surrounding just one guy who went through this much trial and tribulation just to get a contract? Well, that's what's so interesting is that from Carlos Correa's perspective, nothing has happened. Nothing has changed. He's the same player. The injury that everyone's so concerned about happened, I think, in 2014. That's basically before his career. The injury's old, but it's what? It's the metal plate in his ankle, and there was a slight scare with it last year when he was on the Twins, and... They're worried about his mobility long-term. Clearly, there was red flags with not one, but two teams ready to spend over $300 on him. I have a revolutionary idea. If Ooh, you're wor- if you're worried about the long term ramifications of an injury on a player affecting his mobility and fielding ability, then don't offer him a thirteen year contract. 
I know that's what the going rate is now for star players in Major League Baseball, but if you're worried about a guy being able to play that position beyond five or six years, offer the guy a five or six year contract. Well, he may not take it right now. Think about but at what, least it's on the table. What the Twins do last year? It was three years with opt outs after each year, yeah. but they were giving him a really high average annual value. Like I don't remember hearing year. any issues nope. with his medicals. Well. If you're signing a dude to a three-year deal, but he can opt out after each year, I don't think you're concerned about that. Probably not. You just want a guy for the sake of, hey, we have this guy. He's going to help us win. And credit to the Twins. They were competitive through July <laughs> until they fell off in August and September. You and know, you know what? Wins matter. Good for Carlos Correa. All these teams are coming to him, and like the Giants come to him and say, here's a 13-year, $350 million deal or whatever, right? And he says, great. And then they're like, oh, wait, never mind, injury. Mm, we're, we're having some buyer's remorse. We're not going to do that. And he's like, okay, well, then I'm just going to go over here and talk to Steve Cohen and the Mets. And the Mets are like, we'll offer you a 12-year deal. Great, I'm totally on board. Then the Mets Except- are like, we don't want to do that because of the medicals. <laughs> and good for Correa for standing up and saying, I'm not going to take less than you put on the table. That was you who well, did he, that. He had the Not gu- me. He had the Gucci bag quote last year, didn't he? What was that one? Or what was? I'll have to pull it up later. I'll share okay. it with you in the break. But if you're going to get offered that money... I'm taking that money and nothing less. Coming up next, the NFL is today. Yes, I said that right. The NFL is today. The NFL is today. And there's a lot of playoff implications on the line. We'll get to all of them next on Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Mitch and Steve go around the NFL on Arizona Sports Saturday. Around and around we go. Uh... Actually, I want to start here, Steve, because this was by far the most important story that the NFL has had all year. DeMar Hamlin, the Bills safety who collapsed Monday night, in case you did not hear, has been in the hospital, has recovered tremendously fast. Breathing tube is out. He's breathing on his own. He communicated with his teammates yesterday via FaceTime. Much, much better news than I could have possibly expected within a week of some dude suffering cardiac, or not some dude, someone suffering cardiac arrest. It's an absolutely incredible story. I wonder, how does the narrative change if and when he wants to play football again? That's an interesting... We'll dive into that a little bit later. Interesting indeed. I cannot speak. Here's what I can speak on. The NFL, this week 18, starts today with two games. One of them, not necessarily playoff implications, but it, it's pretty simple if the Chiefs can pull it off. Let's start right there. The Chiefs are in Las Vegas taking on the Raiders. Well, I don't know that there's a team that benefited more from the cancellation of that Bills-Bengals they game just than the have. Chiefs. Yeah. And I know that we don't like to talk about the ramifications when there's such a significant injury to a human being, but I think at this point, we're far enough removed and Hamlin has made good enough of a recovery that yes. we can start to talk about how messed up the playoff picture is going to be because of the cancellation of a game in week 17. So two pretty significant teams miss out on these, this extra game. That is the Bills and the Bengals, who were the two teams that could have challenged for the number one seed and the Chiefs. But now, if the Chiefs win, they get the number one seed, period. That's it. 14-win team if they beat the Raiders this weekend. It'd be pretty impressive, especially given all the money that their division spent this offseason. And losing Tyreek Hill? Mm-hmm. It's still... You lose Tyreek Hill and you get better? Come on. It is still Patrick Mahomes' team through and through. The other game this evening, the nightcap. This is straight up for the AFC South. 
and dear God, it is a terrible AFC South. The Tennessee Titans and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jaguars are currently in the uh, in the driver's seat. I mean, this is an opportunity for them to take the next step with Trevor Lawrence, their young he quarterback. Looks great this year. It, they're right at that. There's like a, an evolution of contention in sports, mm-hmm. and one of them is just making the playoffs and losing early. I think that's where they're at. I think they're at the point where it's like make the playoffs. Have that experience, lose early. I think the Cardinals were there about a year ago with Kyler Murray. Make yeah. the playoffs, lose early, unfortunately, and then you're supposed to get better. The Cardinals yeah. just went the opposite yeah, direction. I can't wait for Trevor Lawrence to remove all of his pictures from social media this offseason. Oh, it'll be great. I'm just kidding. That'll never it's happen. It's going to be weird if he ever cuts his hair. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if people think about that. So, I do. So those are the two games today. On Sunday... Um, Steve, I'm sorry if I'm throwing you off. There are three games that have absolutely zero consequence. Okay. The Buccaneers at the Falcons. That one just exists. The Texans at the Colts has zero consequences. And the Panthers and the Saints. And the reason for those having no consequences is because Tampa Bay already won the South. And then whoever wins on Saturday night takes the South. So those six teams have essentially nothing to play for but draft position. Is it possible that the Buccaneers will win their division and fire their head coach? I think it's I think it's more likely Tom Brady leaves before Todd Bowles gets fired. I think both could happen, which would just probably just crater the Buccaneers. Yeah. Unless they can somehow very, very quickly fill both of those positions with elite-level replacements. Well, and I just don't know that that's we happening. We know how desperate they've been to win a Super Bowl trophy. Oh, never mind. They've won two Todd already. Bowles has not had a lot of success as a head coach. No. Now, really. granted, he was a part of the New York Jets for a while, and nobody succeeds with the Jets, really. Except for Rex Ryan. <laughs> Mark Sanchez. Yeah. All right, so we're going to focus on just games that have implications okay. or could have implications. First being the New England Patriots at the Buffalo Bills. Quick implications here. Patriots win, and they're in. Yeah, they and do need the Jaguars to win, too, I believe, but if they win, they get the seventh seed. I, I can't. I'm trying to convince myself whether or not the Bills benefited or kind of lost out on missing that game with the Hamlin injury. I mean, they're a 12-3 and team. I think they've been one of the most complete teams the entire season, all all year long. Is the, this finally their year? That's this, the real question. This could finally be the year where they eclipse the... But again, you got to run through Kansas City. Which could Kansas be a City's neutral, going to be the number one seed. Which could be a neutral site game if it becomes those two teams. That's the key that the NFL announced. Um, one that could have impact on either the one seed, the two seed, or the three seed in the NFC. That's Vikings at Bears. No Justin Fields in this one. See, and we all felt like the Vikings were just paper tigers the whole year. Uh, you literally told know. me like two weeks ago they were the biggest frauds in the NFL. They kind of are. <laughs> but they're 12-4. and four. They allowed 36 points to the Colts. Interestingly, interestingly, the Vikings are twelve and four. They're four and three on the road, which means that they only have one loss at home this season. It's incredible, isn't it? Well, it, it shows you the value of home field advantage when you get to the playoffs. Blow that bugle horn, baby, or whatever it is. All right, this one. Skull. This one is a very interesting implications. The Ravens and the Bengals. The winner of this game gets the division. Albeit, there are some other things that have to happen for the Ravens, given the Bengals being one game behind. But the Ravens winning, combined with the Chargers winning, combined with winning a coin toss. I'm not kidding. 
Ugh. All of that happens. They are the AFC North champions. And I hate to harp on the whole canceled game because of the Hamlin injury, but Joe Mixon came out and was less than pleased with the situation the Bengals have been put in. It, it's a it's a lose lose for yeah. a lot of teams. And now you know? they're they went from possibly competing for the number one seed to possibly losing their own division. Yeah. What a turn of events with a couple of days. I don't think they will, though. Still no Lamar Jackson for the Ravens. What's going on there? He's going to be a free agent this offseason. I wouldn't be shocked if the Bengals make their way to the Super Bowl again. They're built like a contender. They got the offensive line better. That was the one big thing that everybody said they needed to fix. We're going to skip Texans-Colts because I don't think anybody cares. There's a combined six wins in that that game. (laughs) Jets and the Dolphins is the other AFC East game. Here are the implications. It's only for the Dolphins. They have to win and the Patriots have to lose for them to take the seventh seed. And my understanding is that Joe Flacco is going to start in that game. You are correct. You know what that tells me? A they had zero intention of holding on to Zach Wilson. Zero. Oh, but there was a quote earlier this week saying they're going to be through the good and the bad with him. Zero intention of keeping Zach Wilson. You mean while he's on his rookie contract? Because that's what I believe you meant to say. It would not be the first time an NFL coach lied. <laughs> I mean, you spent like Nick what the Saban second overall pick on that guy? Alabama. Yeah, second overall. You would think this would be if you're if you're invested in getting that kid to be a better football player, you would think playing in a football game would help. You would think. And if they're saying no, that's not going to help, then they don't want the player. Skipping over Panther Saints, jumping to the AFC North, where it can <laughs> this could be fun. Last year, the Pittsburgh Steelers kind of backed their way in as a result of Vegas and LA last year on Sunday night. If the Steelers win and New England loses. And Miami loses. Pittsburgh not only finishes with another above 500 record, they are the seventh seed. Pittsburgh doesn't deserve to make the playoffs. Oh, yes, they do. Don't no, say that. they don't deserve it. Neither does Cleveland for that record. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> neither of these teams should be in the playoffs. I don't want to see the Steelers in the playoffs. You'd I don't, rather see the, the Patriots? Uh, you know, I the, would. You'd rather see the I Dolphins? Would. Tua's had three concussions this I year. I would. I would. Ra- I don't. Come. I'd rather see the Steelers for Tua's well-being. He should probably just quit playing football. I'd rather see the Steelers. I think you're no. I think you're heinous. No. Is what you are. No. I hate the Steelers. <laughs> I don't want to see the Steelers. <laughs> you're just Surely that, Cardinals fans can agree with you're you. You're just this, saying right? that nobody likes the Steelers. <laughs> just saying that because you're a Browns fan. Don't tell team. Max Starks I said that. Okay. <laughs> Afternoon slate. Some of these games have implications, some more than others. Uh, for the Chargers, they it's really just between the five or the six spot for them. They're already in. They're in Denver taking on the Broncos. How about this, Steve? Denver's a minus three. They're favored? Yeah. Oh, God. How did that happen? Vegas, what are you doing? What does Vegas know what that we don't? <laughs> uh, what does it say about my preseason prediction that I had the Broncos winning the AFC West? Uh, what does it say about my prediction and all the uh, various uh, bets that I placed on the Broncos preseason? I'm just stunned that they're predicted to win. Well, they I just, don't get it. They just replaced frankly. the field turf, so, you know, it'll be a fresh field for the final game of the season. I don't have much of a reason for anyone to watch that game, by the way. New York Giants at the Philadelphia Eagles. For the Giants, they're already locked in the sixth seed, so this is over. But the Eagles need this win if they want the one seed and if they want the NFC East. Is Jalen Hurts playing? No. Well, I, actually, he's trending in the right direction. He might play. I got to be honest with you. He hasn't played in a couple of weeks. And when he before that, he wasn't playing very well. 
I know he's in the MVP discussion. This is the recipe for disaster for a thirteen and team, uh, thirteen and three team. Mm-hmm. Like you don't, you want to have as much momentum as possible going into the playoffs. You well, want to be the Bengals. You want to be the Chiefs or the Bills. What they've got going for them right now, it's not momentum. It's the exact opposite. Well, with respect, Gardner Minshew had played the last two weeks, so without your star quarterback, who was a big part of why this offense was as successful as it was. So I think that's a big part of it. Uh, the home team on the road team. Arizona Cardinals at the 49ers. 49ers pushing for that one seed. They have to win, though. I will be rooting for Arizona Brock Purdy. That's See what a, I did there? That took a while to get there. Yeah, I guess, uh, He's got 10 touchdowns this year. Did you know that's the most by a rookie QB? Ever? This season, sorry. Oh, oh I was like, ever? That doesn't sound right. But Peyton Manning wants like to Like, the uh, only other significant one is Kenny Pickett. Um... Here's the thing, and I know I've been saying this for a couple of weeks, but I'm going to continue to say it. If Brock Purdy wins multiple playoff games with the 49ers, there's no way you can move on from him and go back to Trey Lance or Jimmy G. And if he wins a Super Bowl, it's maybe one of the greatest storylines of an underdog quarterback in history. Oh, 100%. An undersized, Mr. Irrelevant, last pick in the draft. It's almost better to be the last pick in the draft and win a Super Bowl than to be undrafted. Yeah. It's almost better because you had to sit there and wait and somebody took a chance on you at the very last second. Here's my bold prediction. He takes the mantle of underdog story away from Tom Brady and just has the most amazing NFL career. You know what it is? It's not Tom Brady. I don't like that comparison. Tom Brady's won, what, seven, six, seven Tom Brady was a sixth-round pick. This is the Kurt Warner story. Ooh. Kurt Warner was bagging groceries, though, so it's a little different. He went from, like, literal underdog in life to winning a Super Bowl. The Warner-Brady... Uh, but it's closer Mitch, to the Warner. Mesh. Okay, it's closer to Warner we'll, than it is. Uh, we'll it's movie it. worthy, probably. We'll figure it out. Uh, the other NFC West game: Rams Seahawks. So this is where it matters. The Seahawks, if they win, they are for now in the seventh seed. That's I it. don't. I don't mind seeing the Seahawks in the playoffs. I do mind for two reasons. One, that's now another problem that the Cardinals have to deal with next year. Well, it is. And two, because I'm a Broncos fan, I shouldn't have to say more. I want Geno Smith to solidify himself as the quarterback of the Seahawks going forward because I'm not scared of him. What about Baker Mayfield solidifying as the Rams quarterback? I I don't think they're ready to move off Matthew Stafford yet. I think this is the upset of the week. Seattle's got six at home. I think this will be the upset of the week. Okay. Cowboys Commanders. Cowboys win. They get closer to the one seed and the division, but they need the Eagles to lose, as we already discussed. I hate the Cowboys. Okay. I don't want to talk about them. This is the big one. Lions in Lambeau against the Packers. I am definitely a Lions fan. Here's how it works, though. Lions need the Seahawks to lose. I'm going to have to clip that. (laughs) (laughs) Get that recorded. And the Lions need to win. So the Seahawks need to lose, and the Lions need to win. Listen, we watched the Lions in my household. My girlfriend is a Lions fan. I am now a Lions fan. I've never really had too much. I I grew up in Cleveland. I don't really have a football team to root for, let's be honest. Uh, The Lions have one of the most fun offenses in the entire league. Ben Johnson, great OC. They've got more 40-point games this season than anybody in the league. I don't know if that's a real statistic. I might have just made it up, but it seems like it. (laughs) I am rooting for the Lions, especially against the Packers. Aaron Rodgers is so hateable at this point in his career. Here's what makes this matchup interesting, though, for those of you like, oh, but the Lions have to do so much. The Green Bay Packers are win and in. Period. Hate that. So this game matters a lot to both teams, depending on the outcome of Seattle. It definitely matters to the Green Bay Packers, but it could matter a lot to both. Lions. I agree with you. Not because Trevor is staring at me. Coming up next, trade deadline. Coming up in about a month. Are the Suns going to be buying or selling?
That's next on Arizona Sports Saturday.